Right, so the reading is John chapter 15, verses 1 to 17. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks very much, Andy, for the reading. Um, awesome. Hi, everyone, and good evening. Um, well done for coming this evening as well. I really was expecting about five people in the building, so this is a welcome surprise. Uh, my name is Michelle. I'm an intern here this year at St. Paul's. Unfortunately, not for much longer. We have about a week and a half left, which, yeah, makes me very sad. <laughs> and this evening, I'll be speaking on Jesus talking about being the true vine, I am the true vine, and digging into what that means. So let's just take a moment to pause and then to pray uh, before we look at this passage together. Lord, I thank you for this passage. I thank you for Jesus' words. I pray that you'll speak through me, Lord, whatever you want um, people to hear. May it just flow and really stick with people as they leave. Um, and whatever you don't want um, to be said, I pray that it'll just be forgotten in the minds of people. And Lord, I thank you um, for this community, and I pray that we will know what it means to abide in you deeper. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So as Jonathan mentioned earlier, uh, we're doing a series going through the Gospel of John, looking at the seven I am statements. Uh, most of these statements have some sort of miracle attached to them. So Jesus performs this miracle, um, and it's almost a sign that is pointing to deeper spiritual truth about who Jesus is. Um, and so this final I am statement doesn't necessarily have a miracle attached to it in the same way. It's actually more of a parable. Um, so we've been going through the Gospel of John. We've already had Jesus with the Last Supper and um, washing the disciples' feet. And um, now Jesus is sharing his last lessons with the disciples. He's really trying to remind them and teach them the essentials before he leaves them. But he's also reminding them that the, he's going to give them the Holy Spirit later on. And the Holy Spirit will continue to teach them and remind them of what Jesus has said. So they've left the upper room. It says just um, at the end of the previous chapter um, that Jesus tells them to leave. So we can almost imagine them and picture it. Uh, we see them as a group uh, walking towards the Garden of Gethsemane, and perhaps they're passing through some vineyards, and Jesus might see this as a teaching opportunity, a chance for them to learn a bit more about who he is. And so we can imagine him there, uh, perhaps walking through a vineyard and showing them a vine and saying, I am the true vine, and teaching them a bit more. So this evening, we'll primarily be looking at two main questions. Um, the first question is, what does it look like to be pruned? We see this in the passage, so we'll be digging a bit into that and thinking, what might that look like in our lives? And the second question is, what does it look like to remain in Jesus? What does it look like to remain, to abide, to dwell in Jesus? But firstly, I thought it'd be really helpful to quickly think about the question, what is the fruit? Because um, as you read through this passage, there's lots of references to fruit, um, talking about branches that bear no fruit, branches that bear some fruit, um, and branches that uh, bear much fruit. So let's think a bit about what the fruit is in this situation. So at least for me, when I first read the passage, um, I just immediately thought the fruit must be people. Um, perhaps it's souls that are, you know, one to Christ. Perhaps it's people um, who uh, we played some part in the process of them coming to Jesus. But as I was digging through this passage a bit more and thinking about um, that, I think uh, that is included in what is being spoken about here. But it's actually a lot more than that. So another part in the New Testament which talks about fruit um, is the fruit of the spirits in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. So I'll just read that out. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Um, so I think this is uh, helpful, reminding us that when we are walking in step with God's Spirit, when we're being transformed by his Holy Spirit, then he's making us more Christ-like, and we start to see these qualities developed and showing in our lives. We're reflecting Jesus more in our lives. So when we're seeing fruit in this passage, um, we should be thinking the fruit must look like Jesus. Either it's the qualities or characteristics of Jesus in our lives, and part of that is indeed telling people about um, the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. So now thinking a bit more about that question, what does it look like to be pruned? So um, at the start of this chapter, uh, verses 1 to 2, I'll just read that again and we'll think a bit more about pruning. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So initially reading this, especially the start of chapter 2, um, where it says he cuts off every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, 
Um, that can seem quite scary. It kind of might bring up questions in your mind, such as, am I doing enough for God to like me? Am I being productive enough for God? Am I effective enough for him? Do I have to kind of reach some um, line? And if not, he might cut me off. Um, and that can seem uh, a bit scary or a bit brutal or harsh. Um, so I was trying to dig a bit more into what um, is being said here. Uh, so the um, word that is behind the phrase cuts off um, is a Greek word, uh, iro, um, and it's often used uh, in the New Testament to mean raise up, to elevate, to lift up, to take up. For example, it's used by Jesus when talking to the disciples, telling them to take up their cross, or when the devil is tempting Jesus and telling him to jump off a cliff because the angels will lift him up. It's that same word that's used. So perhaps a more helpful translation of this um, verse is that um, he, uh, he lifts up every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit. So I think this is pointing to times where um, maybe in, we're stuck in the kind of metaphorical mud or dirt um, where perhaps um, our lives are, are so tainted by sin and our lives aren't reflecting anything of Jesus. And in those times, um, the Father might discipline us or use certain things in our lives to lift us up, bring us into community and help us to reflect Jesus' character better. And now thinking a bit more about pruning in general. Uh, what does this mean? So um, I have a very lovely picture of Kira uh, doing some pruning. Uh, sorry, I think, yeah, pruning in our garden this afternoon. It was a great opportunity for a little sermon illustration. Um, she is much better with the garden than I am. I must confess, I'm very much a city girl, born and bred. I was born in London. I don't know much about gardening and nature. Uh, so if you look at my YouTube history, there's a lot of videos with just gardening videos and trying to understand uh, pruning and, and how it all works. And so as I was uh, thinking about this, pruning is often to cut, to shape, smooth, trim, uh, to really shape um, the vine and to remove the unnecessary things that might stop it from bearing more fruit. Um, and pruning can seem very intense. So if we look at the other picture, um, yeah, so here's a little image I found on uh, Google Images. <laughs> um, so it's uh, kind of talking through the cycle of um, pruning a vine. And so you see like in year one, uh, it's spring and then it starts to kind of blossom. And then you see the winter pruning. So it's cut back by quite a bit. Uh, you guys might be thinking, oh, this is so obvious, but <laughs> I found it helpful, so hopefully it is. Um, and then in summer, in the year two, we see that it grows a lot more. And then the pruning season happens again. And it can seem quite intense if you're just kind of looking at that image and thinking, how is that going to bear um, a lot of fruit? And then you see in summer again, it uh, grows into even um, producing more and more fruit. And so um, kind of using that as a visual aid, um, sometimes uh, uh, God the Father is pruning us. Sometimes he's removing certain things in our lives, uh, perhaps certain people or hobbies or situations. Um, and at the time, it can seem really intense, so we don't really see how God is going to use that situation to help us to grow. Um, but actually, it's really, I think, encouraging to know that God is committed to our growth, that he cares about our fruitfulness, um, and that he is that uh, tender and loving gardener who is um, working hard, shaping, smoothing um, the uh, vines so that it can grow and bear more fruit. I think it's really awesome that God is committed to our growth and that he wants our energy, our time, our gifts and our talents that he's given us uh, to go into making more fruit and not to just go into making leaves or things that are unproductive or unhelpful. 
And I think another point here is that um, the plant doesn't, you know, doesn't eat its own fruit. The plant is um, there uh, to provide fruit for other people, and it's a blessing to other people. So I think as God works in our lives, as we grow, as he's bearing much fruit in our lives, then we're blessed, and we can be a blessing to other people as well. And so I was thinking, what's an example in my life of perhaps God pruning me? And um, I quickly thought back to the very first lockdown period. Um, uh, that was my second last term of university. I was definitely that person that kind of like signed up to every society. I like to be involved in everything, um, probably uh, a lot past my capabilities or the time that I had. Um, and so I remember in that very first lockdown being kind of stripped of loads of things that I wanted to be involved in. I found it quite difficult. Um, but I found that having that less busy schedule uh, meant that the idol I had in my head of busyness, of um, the more productive I am, the more valuable I am, or the more worthy I am of people's um, attention and care, that was stripped away from me. Um, and actually, it was in those times that I was able to more appreciate and love the people around me that I needed to. And so I remember um, kind of, I would walk past some of my neighbors day by day, never necessarily really said hello to anyone. Um, and then in this first lockdown period, St. Paul's uh, produced some cards uh, where you could slip them through your neighbor's door and you put your number. If they needed anything, any shopping or anything like that, then they could contact you. And I think if I was in my normal university time, I wouldn't have had the time or energy or uh, perhaps even care to be able to do that. But um, when lockdown uh, happened, I think it kind of produced a lot of reflecting for all of us in different ways. And so I remember going around with my housemates, slipping these uh, little letters into the, um, uh, the boxes of our neighbors. And I remember someone responding and actually getting to know her pretty well. And I think um, that time of pruning in my life where my schedule was massively reduced and helped me to be more caring and loving to the people who were my neighbors, to literally love my neighbors better. And so perhaps there's different situations in your lives that you can reflect on where God has used the circumstances to teach you something new, to perhaps remove unnecessary things in your life so that you could be more fruitful, that you could better reflect Jesus. And so I think it's also helpful when reading this passage um, to realize that um, Jesus is often talking to a group of people, not just to individuals. Um, so I discovered this thing online called the Y'all Texas Bible, and basically it um, replaces every word where it says you when it's really talking to a group of people, so it replaces it with y'all. And as I read throughout this, ho uh, this whole passage uh, with the y'all in mind, it kind of brought a new uh, perspective to it and thinking that this isn't just addressed to individuals, but to the disciples as a community and to us as a community and a church as well. And so that made me also reflect on um, how God had been pruning the church in lockdown for us. I think it definitely reminded us to um, love our neighbors well, to think about those who were perhaps on the outskirts of society or who might be struggling, whether that's uh, financially, whether that's physically, uh, perhaps with just loneliness and isolation. And it really uh, reminded us that these people should be at the forefront of our minds. And so my question to us as a church um, is how do we continue to do that outside of the pandemic as we emerge from the pandemic? And it's not just a question for our church leaders, but it's a question for all of us because we are the church. And I think um, there's already good things that's happening with that in our church in terms of the cafe being set up um, soon that will welcome people in our community. 
And so that's um, been us thinking a bit more about what it looks like to be pruned. And maybe there's something particular in your life that God has slowly been nudging you uh, where he's trying to remove something unnecessary or um, help you to learn something new. And do we surrender to that? Do we surrender to the pruning or do we fight against it? I think it's much better to surrender to it. So now let's think about what it looks like to remain in Jesus. So the word remain, it crops up about 11 times in this passage. So Jesus is constantly hammering this point, remain in me as I remain in you. And so how do we remain in Jesus? We remain in him by remaining in his love, by letting his words remain in us, and by following his commandments, especially to love each other. So in verses 5, it says, I am the vine, y'all are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, y'all can do nothing. (laughs) So um, I think what Jesus is trying to say here is that there's an importance to staying connected to him. Um, I like um, that there was one translation of it as almost making our home in Jesus, really residing in him, abiding in him, making him our home. Um, We should allow Jesus to be the thing that sustains us, the one who gives us life, especially when we're struggling. And so there's a really beautiful verse in the previous chapter. Um, As Jesus is doing this kind of upper room discourse and talking to the disciples, he keeps hammering this point about unity and and being in him and um, him being in the Father also. And so in John 14, verses 23, um, Jesus is uh, talking with the disciples and he is responding to one of the disciples to their question. And he says this, "'Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching.'" My father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. And I honestly found that so beautiful. It's like the one verse I've been reflecting on and again and again, even though it's not technically in the passage. But um, I think it just really hammers down that point of that deep uh, friendship and intimacy and union with God and how Jesus is saying him and the father will come and make their home with us when we love and obey uh, Jesus' commands. I think that's something that's really beautiful, that God wants to do that. And so I think here, when Jesus is talking about us remaining in him, remaining in the vine, he's not just saying, you know, I have a list of things for you to do, and if you perfect them, then I'll love you. I don't think that's what he's trying to communicate here. But he's saying it's important to stay connected, to make him our home, Um, And saying that if we don't do that, then what we're trying to achieve without him, it won't last, it won't work, it will basically amount to nothing because we're not um, relying on him to to sustain us. So what does that look like practically? I think Jesus um, reveals that to us. It's almost like he anticipates the questions we might have, so he continues on. So we see in verse 7, it says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So here we can see that Jesus is making a connection. There's something about remaining in him and having his words remaining in us that contributes to this this deep um, intimacy and friendship and uh, relationship that we have with Jesus. And so I think a really practical outworking of that is just how well do we know Jesus' words. Um, We should continue to delve into the Gospels, into the whole Bible, as it all points to Jesus, and to think, uh, to really have Jesus' words dwell in us, to get to know him better, to know what he reacted to, what he uh, rebuked, what he uh, was interested in, who were the people that uh, he spent his time with. Just unpacking all of these questions will help us to, um, to truly love Jesus better and to follow his commands. 
And so it also says later on in verses 10 um, that if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as, I, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. So Jesus is continuing, saying um, that there's something about remaining in him and uh, following him, listening to his commands, not just being hearers of what he's saying, but also putting those things into practice, being doers. That's part of what it means to remain in Jesus also. So how does Jesus almost summarize this? How does he um, try to continue to explain it to the disciples? Uh, so in verses 12 to 14, uh, we see him continue, and he says this. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And so here, um, Jesus is saying that He's summarizing how we're supposed to remain in his love. Remaining in his love means following his commands. And what is his command here? It's saying to love each other. And not just love each other in kind of a superficial way or a, like say hello on Sunday and then go about our business uh, during the rest of the week, but a deep love, a sacrificial love for each other. I and mean, I think that's quite hard, especially um, as we're emerging from the pandemic and we've all been uh, quite isolated. Uh, we must really think, how do we put this into practice? And how do we love others well um, in this time? And how good are we at loving each other in a Jesus-like way? And so I think all of these things that are mentioned in this passage um, are a real challenge. It uh, makes us reflect on what it means to be pruned by God, where he's working in our lives, and makes us reflect on how to continue to abide in him and to be uh, strengthened by him. Um, and it can seem a bit of a challenge or uh, can maybe even feel... Uh, like you're missing the mark um, that I was reading through this and sometimes it felt like, oh, what if I'm not doing this? And I think it's a good reminder that Jesus himself says uh, that the things he was saying was to bring glory to God and was to bring them joy. It says in verse 11, um, these words, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So I think Jesus uh, was giving them this challenge, was giving the disciples this challenge, but he wasn't saying it in a condemning way or to leave them in a place of uh, despair that they couldn't do things by himself. But he was telling them these things to give them joy and to know to be able to trust in him, to stay connected um, and to rely on him. And he's the one that will give them the strength um, to continue and to be fruitful. So I think there's um, something really important that we can take away from that. So I'll just give us a moment um, to reflect. Perhaps there's um, some area of your life where God has been nudging you uh, and you know that he's trying to prune you in that area and perhaps you're resistant. Um, I know there's definitely areas in my life where I feel that way. So let's just take a moment and see if God wants to speak to us about anything in particular.
Father, I thank you that you care for us. I thank you for this image of you being the gardener where you're tending to us, where you are shaping us and removing the things that hinder our growth. Lord, I thank you that you care for us and that you're committed to our growth. You're committed to us bearing much fruit. And Lord, help us to surrender to that. Help us to cooperate and to not fight against it. Um, and if there are specific things in our lives that you're doing, um, help us to be aware of those things and help us to um, cooperate with them. And Lord, I thank you for um, yeah what Jesus did on the cross. And I thank you for this great love, this sacrificial love uh, for his friends. Lord, I thank you that you call us your friends. And I pray that you will strengthen us and that we are able to love each other in a sacrificial way. Um, perhaps there are certain situations in our lives where that's really difficult. And I pray that we'll continue to remain in you and to be strengthened by you to be able to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.